mean, if anyone's listened, if anyone's listened to our podcast, they'll know that normally, like the first couple minutes, is us moving the mic and farting and burping and well you know you can cut that out right there's not to... there, there's no I think it's funny. Funny. <laughs> there's no us in there yeah i don't there's no us it's it, that's all blake just blake oh farting. no 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 brandon is farting <laughs> all I, the time wasn't during manhunter though yeah, it was like you drank that milk fart. and then you were just farting a lot wasn't it uh <laughs> that might have been so we got milk this time so <laughs> might, we might have a good time yeah i burp i do not fart is I'm it just because you physically cannot? I'm a lady. Well, there you go. Jose, though, you do I do some... that gurgle thing. Yeah, after, the gurgle thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, Al in Toy Story 2, when uh, Woody's climbing on top of him, and then he's got the cheese puff breath. I don't remember the noise. You he should makes. watch. You should watch that exact scene, okay. and then you'll be like, "That's fucking Jose right there." <laughs> Is that when he's like sleeping on the couch or yeah. something? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I remember that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that, that. I would imagine that would be your noise. I gotta listen to it. Kelsey Grammer plays a prospector in that, right? Yeah, Fraser's in that movie. <laughs> oh, was that him? Yeah, yeah. Oh shit! I didn't know that. They were. They got rid of that that uh, end credit scene. Where oh. he's like talking to the Barbies and trying to give them the I'll deal. Get you apart. Yeah, I'll get I don't know you. why they would get rid of that. I don't know. It was pretty recent that they did it too. I like think. he was a bad guy. They like he was a bad guy. So it's not like they're promoting. Yeah. <laughs> Harvey Weinstein like behavior. They're just, uh, you know, right. The prospect is a bad guy. He did bad things for. Whatever. Yeah. This isn't the Brandon's looking at me like with his mouth open. I don't. I don't remember Toy Story two very very much. Well, it's in the end credits. It's pros, prospectors talking to the to two Barbie dolls and basically telling them like, "Oh, you get along with me. I'll give you some. I'll give you parts and stuff." Um, mm. Yeah, they got rid of that recently. I think probably mm-hmm. because of like the Harvey Weinstein stuff. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, they alter a lot of stuff for Disney Plus. Like whenever it became yeah. readily available for everybody to watch, then I think they've done a lot of. I know they've edited Simpsons episodes, right? Have you guys seen a uh, Splash? Mm-mm. No, it's a uh, Tom Hanks movie from the eighties. Yeah, and uh, Daryl Hannah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a scene where she's running into the ocean, and you and she's naked because she's a mermaid, I think, or something. Yeah, she's a mermaid, and and you can see and you can see her butt. And Disney added this really poorly CGI'd hair onto her butt to cover it up. Hair? Hair. Like they extended no, her not hair. Oh. Her hair. Not, not, <laughs> I not her hair, hair, hair coming out of her ass. But crackers. it looks like that. <laughs> oh, no. It looks like they copy and pasted like hair onto her ass. <laughs> and they, it doesn't flow with her actual, like her hair hanging down her back. Oh, my God. That's awful. It looks really bad. Um, you you have to look it up just for that one scene. Oh I, wow! I don't like this trend of like streaming services just like making the decision that something's offensive and taking it down. But it's not down. the streaming services; it's the production company that owns the streaming service that owns the film. Yeah, is altering the film. But to, it's stuff like it's weird. Like it's they weird took, to me. They too. took all like the blackface episodes out from uh, Always Sunny, and that's. Blake's favorite type of comedy is blackface. Right? <laughs> it's the best stuff. That's that. That's comedic. Nobody genius. ever talks about mimes. That's that's full on whiteface. <laughs> and I'm Stupid. going against mimes right now. <laughs> mimes and clowns are are doing whiteface, and I'm offended <laughs> by both of them. 
Well, that and then there's a Dungeon and Dragons community episode where um um Ken Jong does blackface. Yeah, 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 and they took that out and it's like I don't know. The, the the especially sunny the point is that they're stupid yeah they're stupid and over the top yeah and, yeah it, it just seems like a I, weird it just speaks to, to the fact that like companies don't actually know what's offensive and they're just it's just a blanket yeah coverage that they're trying to do and yeah. and well some 30 year old white woman said that's offensive and they said oh god that's offensive how, how old was she 30 <laughs> Well, she's pushing thirty. She might be twenty-five, <laughs> but she looked. She looked gonna, I thought you were going with like an old thing, like thirty was old or something. But I guess that wouldn't make no, sense. Yeah. Well, that's young to me. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So you're saying twenty-five-year-olds are pushing thirty? <laughs> yeah. Uh oh. So me and Blake are both pushing thirty. Yeah. <laughs> and and I'm over. Kyle, Kyle's Kyle's pushing fifty. Yeah. <laughs> I guess if that's the math, yeah, I don't so know Brandon, how that works. But. Brandon's pushing a hundred. <laughs> no, I, I'll do seventy. Yeah. Well, welcome to dinner with the movie. I'm one of your hosts, Blake, and as always, I'm joined by Brandon, and we're joined by Jose, and we're joined by our extra special guest once again, Kyle. Hi, Kyle. <laughs> Hello. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Glad to have you on. Um, especially since our man hunter episode. I wanted to say man eater, but that's not the Hall and Oates song. <laughs> yeah. um, she got a man's Peter. Yeah. So we're glad to have you on. And what movie did you pick this week? Um, well, I I just suddenly became self conscious that I drank all that milk beforehand, <laughs> and I'm like I'm stuffed up now. I'm breathing very loudly through my nose. <laughs> but uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, <laughs> you got a great podcast voice. Don't worry. I don't I don't notice the milk. Oh, good. Maybe good. maybe God. when you start gargling later, you'll <laughs> be able to hear the milk. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Pan's Labyrinth this week, and we ate um, a bunch of stuff. It was so a good, good meal. Yeah. It was a good meal. Yeah. Um, let's let's go off the most important stuff that we ate. Great grapes, milk, chicken, second oranges. Uh, what else? What else Bread. Bread. But it was like good stuff. It was roast chicken and like, you know, garlic bread, roasted garlic bread. Mm, and a beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Not just like a white bread loaf, you know, and yeah. it canned chicken. So, yeah. Whatever it was, it was like, we ate like a king. Yeah. yeah. Whatever you're imagining, it's the best form of that. Yeah. We, we ate whatever Franco would have ate in Spain at the time. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, That's a good so, point. why don't you tell us why you picked this movie? I picked this movie because it's one of my favorite films of all time. I think it's a fantastic film in every way. I think it's uh, Guillermo del Toro's best film, and I don't know if he'll ever top it. I don't know if anybody can ever top a movie like this. I think it's superb. It's this amazing, you know, fairy tale wrapped in fairy tales. It's and it's like really, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful film. It's very heavy and it's dark and it's it's got everything that you would want from a movie, except for I guess. Um, lighthearted comedy but other than that it's just it's fantastic there's so. some comedy in it there's a little bit of comedy in it i bet i know what you thought was funny when the fairies get their heads <laughs> bitten off yeah <laughs> completely 100 percent. or the farmer's boy getting his nose crushed <laughs> with the bottle <laughs> i bet over you were and over fucking again. laughing at that yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um you said it's your favorite um do you were you a fan of his two recent ones? We had Shape of Water, and then there was one that just came out this uh, last year. Nightmare Alley. Yeah, I Shape of Water was good. I wouldn't. I don't. It didn't really resonate with me the same way that 
this movie did. And the Nightmare Alley was probably about an hour too long. But in a lot of ways, it was a good movie. Mm-hmm. It was just every movie nowadays suffers from it's like, well, we are, we're streaming so we can make it as long as we want. So everything's three hours long. And most of the time, it doesn't need to be. Nightmare Alley could have been, you know, two hours easy. Easily. And yeah. like the stuff that they yeah. could have cut was some of my favorite stuff of the movie, actually. But it was still too long. It's just like overall, you know, like I really like the beginning stuff. But I guess, I don't know. I know that's not the movie we're talking about. But yeah. I think it's too yeah. long. Yeah, I agree. Well, why don't we go around and talk about our experience with Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, Jose, you start. Um, I saw this for the first time in college, I think, my junior year, so a few years ago now. Um, I did not like it when I first saw it. Um, I could not tell you the reason why I did not like it, because I, I, I enjoyed it this time around, but... At the time, I was like, this is a shit movie. I never want to watch it again. <laughs> Did you have to watch it for college? No. Okay. Um, But it just, I didn't enjoy it. I I don't know. It just didn't click with me. Um, I did like it a lot more this time around, though. But yeah. All right. I saw it for the first time in a film class. I can't remember which one it was. <laughs> I didn't move gonna, the stand. I didn't touch. I didn't hey. move the stand. Um, but yeah, I saw it in a film class. I can't remember what, what class it was, um, but I really enjoyed it then. I enjoyed it more this time around, um, I think, because I was probably paying more attention. Because any film class that requires you to watch a movie, I just didn't really pay attention to it that much because they force you to watch it in the seats mm. and it's so uncomfy. I don't yeah. know why they don't let us go home and watch them. Right. That would make more sense. Because most kids probably won't, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. But you're in college, you know? Like, well... Well, spend the time lecturing and then make me go home watch the movie. I like, I like, I'm an adult. Um, yeah, but I, college I like students Kenan's aren't theory behind That's it. True. Yeah, I like Keenan's theory behind it that that films are meant to be shared in it with a group. Not and, when I'm thinking about and, how my butt hurts. Yeah, the chairs, the chairs at UNLV were pretty, yeah, pretty bad. They need to have multiple um, movie theaters, and they let us watch them in those. That would well, be really they nice. are they they did redo the 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 big theater it's just and the sound they're, they're having though, i think right no they did the they did the seating and everything they did the chairs and everything. Huh, maybe i didn't notice the chairs but, that much but it's better it's better now yeah yeah well in in there but not you know yeah not in the classroom <laughs> um yeah I, I like this movie a lot more i feel like this is this movie really benefits from a second viewing because there is a lot going on in terms of symbolism and innocence being lost that I think yeah. uh, works works a lot with a second viewing. Um, and I'm sure the fact that it's not in your original language probably helps with the second viewing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> no, I speak I speak fluent Spanish. My, my, you uh, are half Mexican. My birth mom is Mexican. So <laughs> I, I just, I dig deep into my innate just, <laughs> wisdom and I bring it out. Yeah, it's it's like, a, it's a part of you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> what about your experience, Brandon? Um, I can't tell you how many times I've seen this movie. I've seen it a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I really like it. I really like this movie. I've always liked it. Well, throw us a log line. Uh, okay. I'll give you a log line. I'll give you my log line. A young girl suddenly moved to the Spanish countryside by her mother and new stepfather, finds a way to escape the brutality of a rebellion by stepping inside her own fairy tale. There we go. All right. We'll give us some fun facts, Jose. All righty. Pan's Labyrinth, as it's known in the United States only, 
came out in 2006 and has a runtime of an hour and 58 minutes. And it was written and directed by Guillermo del Toro. Also did, uh, like we said, Nightmare Alley, Shape of Water, uh, Two Hellboys, um, Crimson Peak, mm. right? I'm missing something. Chronos uh, is what he did before this. And yeah, he's done. He's done quite a bit. What's it called? Not in America. It's the thing that you see at the end the of the labyrinth uh, of uh, the fawn, right? Yeah. So um, they deliberately don't name the fawn in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was only named Pan's Labyrinth in the United States because that's like a mythical creature that exists in fairy tales, mm. like Pan itself. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a mythical fawn, like, you know, like just Snow White or anything like Mm. that. But I think the intent was that it wasn't meant to be him. It was just meant to be a fawn. So that's why it's not called Pan's Labyrinth in Spanish or or the uh, other languages. Just because it'd be like better for marketing? Essentially. Okay. It, it in Spanish, it just trans, from Spanish to English, it just translates the, the labyrinth of the fawn Mm. is what it translates to. Well, the cinematographer is Guillermo Navarro. Um, he also did Kronos and Pacific Rim. Um, he did some music videos, like some Kanye West music videos. He also did Spy Kids, uh, Twilight, Breaking Dawn Parts 1 and 2, Zathura, Stuart Little, and Jackie Brown. He's got quite a filmography. from Quite a he's varied got, he, filmography. Yeah, he's, he's got, got range. <laughs> yeah, being able to do this and then Stuart Little and Spy Kids is great. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah, and Jackie Brown. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I had to double check the Jackie Brown. I I forgot when we were listing um uh Tarantino's cinematographers, but um for some reason I didn't remember seeing his name. Um but yeah, good cinematography in this movie. Mm, Great cinematography. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of a lot of differences in colors between I mean there's the whole like contrasting between Ophelia's world and, and like the real world. They they do so many different cinematography and 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 blocking and coloring differences too that work really well um i don't know if it was like in the coloring or in the shots but i think they overdo the blue a bit much in some of the the real world stuff in the night scenes yeah yeah yeah. it's like blue and it's like blown out it's very blue yeah it's it's blue and blue and black there's no other colors it's Mm -hmm. just blue and black yeah yeah it's a very i like it yeah you need to be in a like a dark room to watch it well yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, let's move on to my character corner. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> There's not that many characters. Come on. I think I'm going to let you name all of the soldiers. Okay. Um, soldier number one. Soldier number two. Yeah. Okay. So we got Ophelia, our main, our main girl. Her mom is Carmen. Right? Yeah. Um, El Capitan is Captain, is it like Vidal or something? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, all right. Then we got Pan, which is only named Pan in the American version, I guess. Yes. Um, otherwise, he's just the fawn. The fawn. Uh, we have uh, Mercedes. <laughs> Mercedes. Mercedes. And her brother, Pedro. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm on a roll, baby. You are. You're doing great. This is the best you've ever done. Hell yeah. Who's the doctor? What's the doctor's name? <laughs> Does he have a name? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought he was just doctor. Um, 
I don't know his name. Hmm. Dr. Raphael. No. <laughs> <laughs> What's his name? Fiero. Fiero? I believe. It's it's there's two R's. There's oh, Fier- 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 Something I got like the, that. I got the fa. Yeah, yeah. Ferrario. Ferrero. Do you remember any of the uh, officers' names from the uh, from the from the, the rebel camp? No, no, no. From uh, the bad guys. Mm-mm. Garces, Serrano. Yeah, those are the those two are main the two ones. The, yeah. the main. Uh, I don't even know. And there's if one else more. Has there's one more. One one more uh, uh, mythical guy. Besides the fairies. Oh, the pale man. Yeah. There okay. You go. Great. You did A plus. Thank you very much. I got a, I got a few yeah. wrong, but did okay. No, yeah, you did very you good. Did, you did really well. You must have studied. Maybe. I I did write some notes on this, and I think that helps quite a bit. It does because writing down the names helps me, helps me remember the names. Um, yeah. And I will say that when I was doing like writing and stuff, and I was looking at quotes, anytime the doctor was quoted, it just said doctor. So I was like, maybe he doesn't have a name. I can't remember <laughs> the movie yet. Let's dig into the pan. Let's dig. Let's d- dig into the deep dish mm. pan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I want to hear what you guys uh, took away for symbolism. That's my favorite. My favorite part. Okay. I want to hear what <clears throat> symbolism you have. You go first. No, I don't want to. Obviously, there's loss of innocence here, and I think <laughs> I'll be the first to say it. <laughs> if, if you don't know, Kyle, that's I say that every movie. Loss of innocence. <laughs> there's loss of innocence yeah. every um, movie. Well, she still has her innocence at the end. Yeah, she does. She totally mm-hmm. does. She's she's kind of like she's coping to keep her innocence. Is I think is interesting. Um, yeah. Symbolism, I guess. The first thing that comes to mind, and it, and it was what frustrated me on my first viewing, and then watching again, I guess I'm digging straight into the pale man. But um, I was like, why the fuck did she take those fucking grapes? <laughs> dumb, dumb. I was so mad. And uh. but then I kind of think about it. Okay, like what? Who's the pale man? And I, I look at the pale man as the captain, and um, or as just Spain as a whole. And then they have all the they have all the dinner and then you look at the rebels who are just trying to like they want to spread the wealth, they want to make it more equal. Um and if you were to look at the rebels and you say like your your cause is not worthy, you shouldn't take from the table. I don't think that's true and I think it's it's great that what they're fighting for. Um so her taking the grapes I think to me makes sense as like it might be frustrating because she's causing this power to get mad at her but also like why does this guy have all this food to begin with and why can't she take some of it he has plenty um but then she gets the, the fairies killed but i don't know yeah that that that's like the symbolism that jumped out to me this time because it kind of settles my feelings on her at that moment mm. where it's kind of it's frustrating but in terms of what it means for her coping with what's happening in the world i think it works with you know why can't i take those grapes um why can't he share some of it, I guess? And mm. that's what I took most from this watch. And I think writing-wise, too, she hasn't had anything to eat in a day at that point. She's probably hungry because mm. um, she was sent to to bed without any dinner. Mm-hmm. So I think my first viewing, that's something I didn't acknowledge, that to me what, what, what would have been a throwaway line on my first viewing, on my second viewing is was 
oh, like this is setting up her grabbing food from the table later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's not all so the symbolism in this movie with those things specifically aren't so concrete to me. I don't know. It, it's more of like a feeling thing because I'm not sure, you know, that's I didn't think of it that way necessarily. I think that's a good way to look at it. I know with because that's one of the three things that she has to do. Right. So the first task is the frog. The second task is that. And then the third task is to, you know, um, I guess, die, uh, spill your own blood rather than a blood of an innocent or whatever. I don't know if it's okay that I'm giving away the very ending. But <laughs> oh, uh, man, you, you, just, you just spoiled it for, for everybody in yeah. the world. Uh-huh. Right. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like, it makes... So, like, the frog is, like, I saw as, like, a Franco's fascist regime and, uh, you know, just down there eating and consuming while, and getting fat while everything like else is starving and like the tree that's of the land, like the people are of the land and stuff. And that makes sense. And so it makes sense that the, the next thing is related to that somehow too, because the whole story is essentially about, you know, Spain at that time and the, the civil war that it was enduring. But, um, yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was great. How do you view the, the pale man scene? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know that I have a concrete, I think that it, like what you said makes sense. I think that it fits in with that. I don't know if the logic of it makes as much sense because she's not supposed to do it when she does do that, then there's bad consequences, but you know, yeah, I haven't thought well, about it that. Does, it does make a lot of sense because if you see her as, as um, her and the fairies mm-hmm. as kind of like a rebellion going in the, the captain and the, the, um, regime mm-hmm. are killing everybody. So the fairies just, just for the sake of food are going to be eaten, going to be killed. And they're only Someone's seeing gonna, with their, they're seeing with their hands, what they can take and what they can take away from people. And yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can also see it as sort of um, when you see like the doctor um, Mercedes and Pedro uh, where um the doctor's upset. Like, why are you still doing this? You're going to get Mercedes killed. And I guess you could see the fairies as like the fellow rebellion people where even though she does do it, she ends up getting them killed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I normally don't d- dive this deep into symbolism because sometimes mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's hard to get meaning out of things for me, but I think what it makes it easier in this movie for me. And I can't quite explain the distinction because it's like del toro is very like he he loves what he does and he loves what he writes and he and he he puts all of himself in his in his work and i would argue that tarantino does the same but when tarantino's movies i just find it pretentious <laughs> and with del toro i find like his movies are very like i i see it as passion mm. instead and I can't quite explain why I have a different feeling for them. Tarantino kind of feels like showing off in a way. I think. Yeah. Well, I think it's it it it's two things: feet and the inward. <laughs> there's there's a distinction between the two. Yeah, Guillermo del Toro wasn't really into that. Yeah. yeah. If, you, if if there were feet in the inward in all of Guillermo del Toro's movies, then then he would just be as pretentious as <laughs> as Tarantino. Right. And and like. it's like the idea behind del toro how he spends years writing in notebooks about plots and and story ideas and um and how he takes 
his stories and places them in, in time periods that are, that are interesting to him. Like the, the Sp- um, after the Spanish civil war, it, I think it lends itself to, to be more symbolic because I don't think he's pretentious about his symbolism. I think that's like the, the difference. Like it's more interesting than some yeah, other. Yeah. He's not just, it's not as in your face. Exactly. As, as a, yeah. Yeah. And and I think he he enjoys I think with with you can have like different camps of filmmakers where some of them really want you to see their perspective of the of the symbolism that they put in. And I think he really likes it when people have varying interpretations of his symbolism. I agree. And I think good symbolism works whether it's noticed or not. Whereas right. like some movies they it really you have to you have to understand it to get the movie. Whereas if you just watch this, the subtext is fantastic and it works so well. But the text of the film on its own is great anyways. It's a great story without having to really understand it. It probably works on you in a, at a subconscious level anyways. But like you don't really have to explicate exactly what all this shit means because it just works. You know, I, I think that's he does that really well. Yeah. And I think with with like the layer of symbolism that exists within Ophelia's story, I think is interesting, not because it's like, it's not like an author saying like the color green means this. It's interesting because it's what Ophelia thinks and it's what's happening around her Mm -hmm. um, and how she's, she's translating that into her fairy tales as well, which, which I think is fun because you're getting into her mindset too um, as well. It's interesting that you say that about the authors with the color green, because in this movie, the color green has a lot of symbolism (laughs) (laughs) with the, she's always dressed in it in the real world. Um, but then when she goes into the other world, she's not wearing any green and a oh, lot of time green, I don't like this movie anymore. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of time green, it can mean different things, right? Green can mean fresh living because like grass and plants and all that shit are green. But a lot of times it can mean like in Lord of the Rings, like that, uh, Minas Morgul is, that's like a green light. And a lot of time green can mean death because of like the rotting, you know, flesh thing, uh, with that goes along with that. And I think, I think that it's a combination in her because she's living, but she's marked for death essentially in this world. And then she goes into the, into the next world and she no longer, now she's wearing these regal colors of gold and, Mm. and crimson, but so, so (laughs) you don't like that. There's a reason they did it, by the way. I, it's definitely not. It's definitely intentional. See, Every outfit that see, she has is green in the whole movie. Right, right, right. Um, I have never read anything about this film. Like, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to read like, oh, this is the meaning of this, and this is the meaning of that. And this is the meaning. Well, of it's going to be subjective. Or, or, or like, like, you know how there, there's stuff like interviews with with Del Toro. Where he'll say, "Oh yes, this was this, and this was this, and this was this." Like I don't want Does to he hear any of that. I'm sure there's something out. There's interviews out there about Pan's Labyrinth. I'm sure there is. I have my own theory about this. <laughs> about this film, okay, because of the way it starts. Let's hear it. All of this is in her mind as she's dying. Uh huh. Because the the first part, which I love, is the the fairy tale about about her running away and coming up and then dying in the sunlight and being reborn. Mm -hmm. But then the first, the first shot we see of Ophelia is her dying and, and the blood going back up into her nose. Mm -hmm. Like she is, she is dying. And then we start the story. Mm -hmm. So I have always felt that in her dying 
this is the story that she creates for herself to cope with everything that has happened to her during during all of the all of the story that she's re- recounting in her mind. I'm sure a lot of people would agree with you. I don't for me I don't think it matters, right? I don't think that it, I don't I don't I don't know that it it matters all that much. Right. I get yeah. But yeah. but it's not real. Because of well, I mean my own personal I don't want to offend anybody, but my own personal, you know, views on on spirituality and religion, it, it's all, everything is in your mind. Everything that you, it's all fucking made up, right? Right. So, but it, it, it works anyways, like if you believe it, right? So it still brings you the same benefits and joys and, and like meaning, you know, you have to, like Kubrick said, uh, you know, however vast of darkness, we must, you know, provide our own light or however he said it. And that's what she's doing, mm-hmm. you know, probably. And that's what we all do in one form or another. And I think that whether in the story world, this happens literally or not, it doesn't matter because at this, at the, in the end, you know, it, it is what it is. And she has the experience. And, and I think that it's a very beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Right. Like everyone in the world is telling her that her fairy tales are ridiculous. Yeah. But she dies with a smile on her face. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're right. It brings her the joy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I think it's, it's her, it's in her mind of what's yeah. happening. I didn't think about it that way in that, like the whole thing's in her head, but I, I, I agree. I think that makes sense. Um, yeah. I, especially in the labyrinth when she's talking to the fawn mm-hmm. and then the captain comes and he can't see the fawn. Yeah. So it would have to be in her head. See, but what I think doesn't support that is that he's just been drugged. So I, I, I think it's, I think Del Toro deliberately sets him up to only to, to see her talking to the fawn after he's been drug, drugged. So we still think there's a possibility that it's, that he's not seeing it because he's hallucinating from, yeah. from being overdosed. It's expertly creating that a bit that out that seed of doubt so that you can you can still say like well he was on drugs so maybe he wouldn't have seen the fun right that's mm-hmm. true yeah i like that i like when people when filmmakers keep it vague when when they don't give you hard answers like this is yeah. was in her head like and that's why and that's why i was saying yeah. earlier i don't want to read anything because right. i want it to be my own for sure yeah 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 and and the reason i bring that up is because i thought at the end um when you see like the phone talking to her and her mom and her dad there and everything, I it, it made me think of God said ha when they talk about how heaven is an instant and how like yeah it's the instant before she dies that she sees this heaven of hers and I think mm-hmm. yeah that 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 connection made me smile I think that's a very uh, a nice connection um, yeah the- and she sees that before she actually dies mm-hmm. yeah so yeah the two I think that's a very prescient thing to say because the two characters you got the captain and then you got the girl and they're so he every shot that you see him in he's obsessed with time so he's living in a temporal space and she is living or you know of of an more eternal and she even talks about that in that fairy tale that she tells her brother in the womb about the rose that grows on the mountaintop how you know, it'll give eternal life to anybody who plucks it, but nobody ever goes and does it because of the thorns. They they contain poison. And she says, men always speak about uh, the fear of death and pain, but they never talk about eternal life. And, and I think that what she's setting up or what's being set up is that she's somebody who will gain eternal life in a sense or whatever, has that ability to, to live in that eternal space where he never does. 
that you every shot there's so many shots of him with his watch he's got mm-hmm. the watch he's checking the watch and he's fixing or maintaining the watch his quarters actually have a giant um like uh, the gears yeah. of the inside of a clock yeah exactly yeah. like behind it so it's like he lives inside of time mm. and when you're talking about like spirituality and religion I thought it and was stuff, a mill well, it certainly resembles the exact and gears that like are in his watch. Are in so either like pr- yeah. logically or whatever for the story for the for the world, yeah. it might be a mill, but it doesn't really matter, right? Because it looks it looks it's, like the inside gears. of his watch. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. gears. Gears and gears. And so he's he's somebody who lives inside of time, he can't escape it because he does all the things wrong that she doesn't do. You know, he is the frog in the thing. He is the the pale man or whatever. He is as she she won't spill the blood of an innocent to to get what she wants. But She'd rather will. die. And he will. That's why he can never have eternal life, but she can because and it is in that instant. And I have a very, you know, strong philosophical beliefs about that anyways, about like this this like escaping time and, and eternity and all that stuff. And and I think that their boundaries the, the differences between them, they have a lot of similarities, but the difference between them lie in that, in time. And I think that's a really, it's obviously pretty abstract, but I think, uh, you know, so it's hard to explicate exactly, yeah. but I think it's really interesting. And he also denies um, whenever they're at dinner and they're talking about the watch, about his father uh-huh. breaking the watch because he wanted his son to know um, the time that the he died. The time that they don't use hero a good soldier a good soldier dies mm-hmm. um but then he fixes the watch and he always has the watch and it's it's obvious that it's the face is broken on it but then he denies oh my father never had a watch mm-hmm. right he denies the entire story yeah so yeah that's that's another le- level to it uh, why do you think he denies it i, I didn't fully grasp that well, I mean, you could explain it simply enough by saying that he's somebody who has, it's impossible for him to like show emotion or vulnerability. And if he were to show vulnerability, because that's a part of his thing, then he would, um, he can't be vulnerable. And that's being vulnerable by being like, yeah, I have this watch that my father gave me when yeah. he died. And it's like and the it most important thing value. about my life yeah, and yeah. my overriding thing. Um, the spine because, of my character. Because he story. just, he just told, um, Carmen, mm-hmm. You know, he just like down, down talked to Carmen about, you know, being sentimental about the story of how they met. That he, she just explaining what happened. Yeah. <laughs> she wasn't even being yeah. a sentimental. But, but then he, but then he plays it off as like women, yeah. you know, women, they, these Stupid. stories, little yeah. brains. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the other, the other women at the table are like, oh, it's okay. We get it. It's fine. But like we they understand. asked her. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's silly. Yeah. It's weird manners, but I don't, yeah. has anybody ever watched anybody die? No. Yes. Yeah. So my experience watching somebody die was that I saw they were like living in different, they were like experiencing different times simultaneously. Like they were in this room, but they're, they had already started to go. Right. But it, and it seems scary to us and it seems like, oh, that's, they must be suffering or whatever because they're like calling out for their mother who's been dead for 60 years or whatever. But to me, it's actually a very like peaceful thing because it's like they just they're escaping the the thing that's killing them, the thing that they can't survive is time. But once you're past that, you're living in the space where your like mind is like it's able to like live simultaneously in all these different places. And I tie that into this to her with you. That's what reminded me of when she dies and that what you said with the God is an instant or whatever. Or I've what, yeah, what did you say? Exactly. Heaven is an instant. Heaven yeah, is heaven yeah, yeah, is yeah. An instant, yeah. So and that's how I see it, and I feel like you know. 
I, it felt true to me when I watched it happen in real life and it feels true to me in the movie. And I think, and that's, I guess what primed me to like pay so much attention to the watch and the, and the, and her talk about eternity and all this stuff. And it's just like, those are the two, my two favorite uh, aspects of this now, which I'm not sure that I consciously understood the first time I watched this movie or the first 10 times <laughs> I watched this movie, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. It's a, I think it's a beautiful thing, and that's why like Sean Clark didn't like the movie. <laughs> he, yeah, he did. He really didn't like the movie, but it, and the, probably why you didn't like the movie, I would hazard a guess, is because it's sad and it's heavy, and there's really nothing good about it, like happy about it, sort of, right, on a surface level. But if like once you watched it again, you're like, oh wait, like whether you know it might not have been conscious or not, but like actually it is like everybody's got to die. You know, we're all going to die eventually and it happens sooner than we think probably. But, you know, there's a way to to transcend that. And uh, and I think that she finds that. And I think he never could because he's not the type of person who ever could. And I think that that's a very beautiful thing. Yeah. And the color green means. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a circle. It's a circle of life, mm-hmm. which, which she is going through a circle of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's very, I think it's a highly spiritual movie. I think it's like very, oh, I thought it was like a tornado siren, but you don't have those here. Uh, <laughs> I it was a ghost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I'm, I feel like I'm rambling at this point, but uh, I loved it. I love that part about the movie. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I see him pull out the, the watch all the time and I don't think I ever like fully got why like what the significance of it was mm. but you put it very well i yeah I, I i think that's that's a good um summary of it yeah and the the i i did i think guillermo del toro was speaking at i don't know if it was when he's speaking at unlv but he talked about the scene with the bottle because he saw somebody get hit like that with the well, bottle yeah, when he life. was growing up he yeah. saw that he experienced that yeah which yeah. is like and oh, it's geez. one of the most memorable things about that movie because it's <laughs> fucked up it's wild and but like in reality like a bottle mostly wouldn't break they're pretty strong like hitting somebody like that with the butt of a bottle like it's just a weird crazy detail but yeah it's such a crazy way to kill someone that it's just well, kind of he doesn't it, kill him it doesn't kill him uh, he i think it does him. no cuz he's alive whenever he gets shot well i i think in that at at that point the detail he's doesn't dying. exactly it's it's a crazy way to get someone to the brink of death <laughs> i think right, it's yeah, semantics yeah. Um, right. at this point right, what right. state of life he was at <laughs> but well cuz like at first it's kind of like it's t- for me it was tough to be like what the fuck is he doing what does he have in his hand i don't know it's cuz it happens so he does it so like so smoothly he, he doesn't it's hesitate like, yeah it's and yeah. It, there's no break in between when he decides to, when like the first hit and it's like okay he hit him once and then just like the back-to-back hits of the bottle are just it's hard to digest because of how and especially because up to this point the movie there's been you know there's talk about bad things but you don't see anything like that mm-hmm. and then this moment hits and it's just it's just a shock that uh, it's hard to take in because of how it's shocking the moment is where maybe you wouldn't have known what type of movie this was until that happens. Right. And fuck. It's great character development for the captain because yeah. he is one piece of shit. He is a very brutal asshole. Like, yeah, and I guess very he, cruel. Yeah. And it's nice to have a villain like that sometimes. You yeah. don't need to have... Yeah. Not every movie has to have like a multidimensional... This guy's just an asshole. This guy's a terrible person. Yeah. Well, he's he, also just a pod. Yeah. 
Right. I, I think that has to do a lot. He his character fits so well with the with like the idea of, of obedience and how how he seeks it, but he's just another pawn, especially at the hands of Franco. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's like another layer that um I've been thinking about how he's so fixated on everyone listening to him and, and he's just trying to gain some control back over the lack of control that he has over his own superior. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think placing this movie where it's placed historically helps it so much in terms of like its historical uh, sig- significance. Um, Cause it's 1944. Yeah. Right. So it's after the civil war. Um, like right during Franco's reign, he he has he, he can't do anything. He he probably wasn't cho- he wasn't didn't have an option probably to go to this outpost. Yeah, they even say that in the but he like he denies it and takes mm-hmm. it back. But right, yeah, right. He he's forced to go to this outpost. He's just another pawn that has to listen, just like his own soldiers, right? Just like Carmen and Ophelia. Like he's in the exact same predicament. Mm. That's true. Yeah, what does he say about his choice? He says, because they bring it up to him, and then uh, I liked what he says after that, but I can't remember exactly what. He basically turns it on its head and like, no, I want to be here because I want to, my son to be born and to be born here. in a Spain. That's, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they toast to to yeah. choice. Yeah, and and that <laughs> means all fascism. of you yeah. <laughs> actually want to be here. You yeah. don't have a choice. You want to be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think of his his slicing his own? reflection's throat with his razor that's a great like moment i don't know what i mean i think it's i i (laughs) i I think he i think he knows he's a coward and he's Mm. he's i think he wants i think he wants to die and he wants to die in a specific way that's why he's got the the watch always ready you know i think he wants to die he's making sure it's working so it will actually he can break it (laughs) before yeah. yeah yeah it's like he knows his time is limited and that's why he's, he's so concerned with that, but he wants to be able to do it. And that's why he's so like, I need that son, get that son out of her, like save the son. Like, cause he care, he just yeah. needs that. He thinks that he's going to attain immortality or eternal life through the, the heroic death of a good soldier, like his father, when in actuality, that's not the way to do it. And then he learns at the end, like your, your son will never know your name. And mm-hmm. yeah. And it, it, I think it has to do with that idea how like, True immortality is is through memories and through people's ideas and perception of you. And as soon as people stop acknowledging you and and even thinking about you, that's when you're truly dead. Mm-hmm. You, you've you've left the 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 more this like physical earth once you've nobody remembers you. And once I, your once your picture's no longer on the ofrenda, <laughs> right? Same idea. Yeah. Um. And like, if his son isn't born by the time he dies, then he has nothing. That's his whole fear. And then he, he seems to to have some peace once, once he's born. And then all that's taken away from him right before he dies. Um, but I, I think he's fixated on, on that idea of living past your death. Because mm-hmm. even the phone, when it talks to, um, oh my god, I forgot her name. <laughs> when he talks to her his threat is like oh you're not gonna be the princess you're gonna die and people will forget you but i think normal people don't really care about that that much to that extent like 
if I die and people forget me, like that's okay. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to make, I'm not going to force the doctor to choose my son over my, my wife just because I want that legacy. I want to be remembered where I think that shows the big difference between her and him where, um, she's willing to give that up because she doesn't want to bring pain to her brother when he is willing to do the extremes in every way because he, because he wants that where she she promised, she promised him, Mm -hmm. she promised her brother that, that nothing's going to happen to Mm -hmm. him. So she stood by her promise, but you're also not a cruel, mean person. Well, there's a lot of time left in your life. You could become one if you wanted. Yeah. (laughs) What's the quote from Batman? You live long enough to see yourself, <laughs> yourself become uh, immortalized. <laughs> you either, yeah, you either you die. Either, you either die during Franco's reign or... <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you said it was during Franco's reign because I thought this movie was a historical fiction on the Dust Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> what? That was funny. As I thought Interstellar was historical fiction on the Dust Bowl one, and I'm a dummy. <laughs> did you really the first yeah. time i watched it when i was 19 years old oh wow yeah <laughs> yeah i like that movie i don't know didn't think it was that but that's that's cool yeah i, I think i think most people who have a, <laughs> a functioning cerebral cortex uh-huh. no <laughs> yeah yeah one thing i was in the pale man's room why does the fairy get the key wrong because it's in the book like that. Like it's written in her... Uh... It's in the book that the fairy is by the keyhole. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not necessarily where she's supposed to put the key. Then, uh, oh, I thought it pointed inside the... The fairy definitely pointed inside the middle lock. And, yeah. and then Ophelia was like, no, it's this one. And that's just because she knew the book? I thought that was like a weird thing to have the fairy get it wrong. I th- I think that it was probably more of like a, it proves that she is the true princess because she okay. knows what the right door is. And maybe it was a test. Maybe the fairy knew what the right door was and the fairy just pointed it wrong. Oh, but okay. in the book, the fairy is at that middle door. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. And the book tells the future, right? Tells yeah. what's going to happen. With the, the bloody book. <clears throat> yeah. 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 Speaking of the pale man, I've never gotten over the comparison to Mitch McConnell. <laughs> <laughs> so every time I watch this movie now, I just see Mitch McConnell in that scene. Oh, uh, do you think that's what he looks like naked? <laughs> that's definitely, I mean, this is a sexier version of Mitch McConnell naked, I would imagine. He's you, probably worse. Do you Completely think he has all the neutered? murals in his room too of eating <laughs> oh, children? Yes. Yeah. I mean, yes, obviously. <laughs> that's where he gets the adrenochrome. Yeah? Right. Just yeah. tables of food he stares at, and <laughs> well, yeah. only when he puts his his uh, eyes in his hands. Right, <laughs> man, I love that so much. I think it's I think it's so cool. The, the running with his hand out is is a cool attention to detail. Yeah, yeah. Doug Jones, man, Spooky Doug guy. Jones, the actor that that he does the fawn and, and he does oh the yeah. Yeah, That's he came to my. I think maybe I just am remembering other people's lives, but I'm pretty sure he came to where I went, did undergrad, and and spoke, and that was yeah. a really cool experience. Yeah, he was talking about working with him, and 
He's worked with them a lot, hasn't he? I think he's done like more than. This. He was also the guy in Shape things. of Water, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was definitely yeah. yeah right. Was he the fish? Uh-huh. Yeah, Fishman. Damn. Fish man. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, but that he, movie. And he's also in uh, Hellboy. Uh, yeah, he's the right. Yeah, yeah. he's also he's Fishman. Fish, fishman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's he's on uh, Star Trek Discovery too. He's, mm. Yeah, he's captain. Hmm. He's a captain. Yeah, he becomes a captain. Yeah. I don't watch that show because that's for nerds, but it's, it's actually a really good show. <laughs> I, I, I've watched uh, Next Generation, quite a few episodes of Star Trek Next Generation, and it's like so many of the episodes are geared towards specifically horny nerds at the time because they'll have like women with like, I don't know, just the whole thing. Yeah. I'm not trying to, I know you love Star Trek and I, I think that there's great Star Trek out there. I'm not shitting on it, but. I gotta watch it now. I'm a horny as fuck. <laughs> I think Pete Corny is is Kirk Corny though. There's yeah. some like horny episodes in the original series. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. always been that way, right? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But but newer stuff is not anything like any of the other. Right. They've bullshit. matured a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. bullshit. Not even even Abrams Star Trek was horny. So like that random like yeah because Abrams Star Trek is based off of the original <laughs> series well yeah but it had no need to be as horny as the original series yet it still sure is. because it's a parody of Kirk all all of them all right. of them are parodies of Kirk yeah anyway how do we get out of this to, <laughs> back to what really matters Dan's yes. labyrinth I and, wish I could look at a nasty bug and just be cool with it and think it's a fairy. <laughs> Your life would be a lot yeah. more yeah. joyful. Yeah. <laughs> that would be not be the first thing I say to when I was a child. I would have run screaming. Yeah, I, I right now I would have run screaming if that bug was flying around. But that bug's, no, that bug's not that nasty. The bugs inside of the tree that the frog eats are gross. Yeah. But it's big. That giant bug, I would not sleep until I killed it. The fairy bug. Yeah, the fairy the fairy bug. bug. Yeah. It would make such a mess. I, you could get It'd it out with a, get a bucket or something, take it outside. The big cockroaches with the toad, though. I those, used to live with those cockroaches. Are, those are there. fucking gnarly. Ugh. When those I lived, are big, fat, gnarly cockroaches. When I lived next to UNLV, I had cockroaches that size regularly. Really? Was, oh yeah, big cockroaches. I called them my roommates, but the, you wouldn't see them that often. Usually, you'd find them after they died. So. Oh, when you turn on the lights, they would be running they around. were respectful of my time and my space <laughs> and you know i let them i gave them eight hours of sleep when i was asleep they could run about and eat my food and stuff like that so did you fun. cuddle with them in bed once I, w- I woke up when i first moved here and i'd never experienced cockroaches before because i was from minnesota and i first moved here i was laying there and i looked up at the ceiling and there was one right there and i swear to god it was like waiting for me to wake up so it could scare me and it was it was like ugh, it gave me the creeps you know so i did he wave his little arms and go boogie, 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 boogie. Yeah. <laughs> i flushed it down the toilet and then i eventually i just stopped doing anything about him you know it's like what are you gonna do that's a great way to look at him they really weren't out you know after i had lived there for a while they'd never came out really so there was just like you would find them dead in the <laughs> they cupboard they saw you flush one of them and they they didn't want to get out of the shadows <laughs> and they definitely again. don't die when you flush them they just go somewhere else and oh, they'll sure. probably well, they find their way back the like, a, like a squirrel you know yeah. you can take a squirrel miles away and it'll find its way back um, and that's, cats too. Yeah, cats. Yeah. The the things that you like to hit with your car. <laughs> Ditch cougars. The things that you skin and keep as, <laughs> hanging in the other trophies. room. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. The red like room. Yeah. <laughs> Just with all different colors of cats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
I tell everybody my jacket's made of rabbit, but it's actually cat. <laughs> I would be weirded out either way, to be honest. That's a, a weird thing to have a jacket full of rabbit skin. Yeah. You have that? No. No. I don't want one. I'll skip that, I think. There's a bunch of like little cute creatures slaughtered so you could have a jacket because you're too good to go and get like a Carhartt. Cute creatures, they're vermin. They're not. Rabbits are vermin. Rabbits, no. rabbits are rodents. They're cute and they hop around and they eat little carrots. Yeah, so we're <laughs> hamsters. They come, they pop out of holes and say, what's up, dog? Yeah. I think Brandon's like Brandon's ancestor was Elmer Fudd and he (laughs) he has like a a blood feud with rabbits. Now Uh, that I could see. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Don't tell me it's you, Elmer Fudd. It's me, Elmer Fudd. (laughs) Um, Can you get that Wesley Wabbit? I would be curious to know what position Carmen was in. Um, That would... I don't know, because I feel like this guy is such an obvious psychopath that she she must have been in a bad spot to to not notice this guy's insanity. Well, they alluded to the fact, and those ladies joked about it at the dinner table, that he killed her husband so that he could have her. Oh, did they? Did they? I, I, didn't I missed that. that. Well, I they, missed that. she's like, oh, my father or my husband, my ex-husband or Ophelia's father was a tailor and he worked on um, the captain's suits mm-hmm. and... Um, but then when he died in the war and that's all she says about it, um, then I started working in the shop and the captain, uh, that's we how were we reunited. Met. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, and then the ladies were like, well, oh, that's, that's a coincidence or whatever they say, you know, they probably don't uh, say right. it like Chandler and right, friends, right. but you know, they, they, they <laughs> allude to, I feel like they're alluding to the fact that. The captain wanted her. He saw her, he wanted her. He killed that dude and then took her as his own. And so, so she basically. Maybe that's why he cuts her off and. Mm-hmm. When she's yeah. telling the story, because I think so. He, she, he doesn't want her to put two and two together. Uh huh. Ah, oh, uh-huh. yeah, I got that. Uh-huh. I got it now. Yeah, I never would have thought of that way. Yeah, he's a real piece of work, that guy. But even then, I don't know. I, I know she said she was very lonely, and and she, she had a very tough time after her husband's death. But, and I, I don't know. He's he's such a vile human that he must I, I have, have put issues on, and with, I feel like with he can't Carmen. put on a good enough show. He's right. he's he's very nice to her whenever she gets there, and he helps her out of the car. He says, "You know, the chair is for you." She says, "No, I can walk." And you know, he's he seems like he's going out of his way to make her comfortable. So he does say one thing there that I don't think it's he actually cares about her. Mm-hmm. He well, he cares about the baby. He says, "Bienvenidos." Which is what you would say to all men or a mixed group of men and women. Be- if it was just the two of them, he should have said bienvenidas. And I feel like the writing is deliberately like he's saying bienvenidos because he only cares about, about the sun. The sun. Mm. Yeah. Because in any any anybody else, any native speaker would have said bienvenidas if he was referring to both of them. Women. And mm-hmm. also he puts her in the wheelchair not because he's concerned about her. Because he... It makes him seem more potent and virile to have put a woman in a wheelchair from, you know. Uh, my baby's so strong. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, my seat is so strong. She can't even stand up. Look at her. <laughs> he's, he's draining all of her strength right now. <laughs> I, yeah. think, I think that's more, but it's about appearances for him. I don't think he gives a shit if she, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and either way, it's just about any concern that he has for her, I think, is definitely just about, about she's a vessel for his seed she's yeah, a vessel for sense. his yeah 
he she's not a person to him i don't think yeah but he does well i i have no doubt that he was definitely nicer to her than he was at the dinner table before um, yeah. right yeah. i'm sure yeah uh i just can't help but think that there there wasn't some kind of red flags that yeah <laughs> that she she was so desperate that she that she wanted she's motivated by a better life for for Ophelia she's motivated by a better life for herself and for her son and 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 i think that supports why she would be so willing for the potential of a better future for them all mm-hmm. but seeing Ophelia being treated poorly by him and and I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't want to go over the line and say that she's like <laughs> a not, really poor judge of character. <laughs> I've not seen this. In the times I've seen this movie, I've never once felt sympathetic towards the mom. Yeah. I don't feel sympathetic towards her because I've never once believed that she cares about Ophelia's well-being. I think she wanted to elevate her class. That's how I've always seen this, her role, that she wanted to elevate her class and that's why she was fine marrying the captain and and like her her love for Ophelia while still there and present is secondary that's a little harsh I feel I'm glad like. you said it I'm going with you I'm going with no. you I was tiptoeing around no, no, it I'll say it I'll fucking say it I don't think so I, because you see when when she's in trouble for the mud she goes in the mud ruins her dress and stuff she her mom puts her you can't have you can't have supper and then she says you've been your disappointment to me and your father and then Ophelia says you mean the captain and she says him more than me basically she's saying like I he's we have to please him but I still love you sort of thing I think that she cares about her daughter I think she's doing this for her daughter it's a different time too you know it's not like now yeah like she doesn't necessarily have the opportunities and especially you know in that time i i don't know what life was like in that period of the franco regime but i would assume not great uh and i i assume that she was doing this for her daughter um because she loved her and wanted to provide her a good life and is probably a bad judge of character it happens more than you think (laughs) yeah absolutely like people can be really otherwise intelligent and then completely stupid when it comes to romance and love you know yeah and Ophelia does because she says you could have been happy with me I would have been with you uh-huh. and then that's when she says well you'll understand when you're older I was lonely and and uh yeah yeah she needed to get sex yeah that's yeah. what she was trying see, to maybe see that I think that line supports us Blake <laughs> she just wanted she some dick. To get dick down yeah, <laughs> yeah. I and, see it both ways and, I, and Ophelia can <laughs> provide that so she needed to find the captain yeah I see it both ways, and I immediately think of um, Hillary Duff's a Cinderella story. <laughs> Her father marries the most vile woman and does not see how she treats Hillary Duff. <laughs> but that is, that is, is every Cinderella story. <laughs> not just Hillary Duff's Cinderella This story. is really absurd and silly. I've never seen that movie. I'm never going to. But you actually bring up a really good point. <laughs> because going with the fairy tale theme, there's so much that is constructed like a fairy tale. And in, in all the fairy tales, there's the evil stepmother. <laughs> that's or true. That's true. All, every time, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so there's a thing in threes. Everything comes in threes in fairy tales. And like right. in this movie too, the three magic stones, the three... Uh, three tests three fairies exactly yeah so uh, along with that it's there's and there's never really an irrational in Hansel and Gretel the original uh, the mother is just terrible just horrible and it's like hates these children it's like why and she's openly with the father there and he loves his kids apparently but like why are you with this horrible woman if 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 you love your kids it's just a fairy tale thing because most of their parents are evil yeah 
I, don't. I can't believe I was so poignant with that. <laughs> you were. <laughs> you really, you really nailed it. That's the weirdest uh, way to be poignant. Yeah, but it, Hillary, but it isn't Hillary just Duff Hillary Duff's Cinderella story. It's all of the Cinderella stories. <laughs> but see, you could have only one for him. That's the only one. You just said Cinderella, and it would have been fine. This would have been a lot cooler if you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen that recently is it like fresh in your it, mind i watched it within the last year <laughs> and my favorite line from that is her friend and he's all dressed all cool and he stops his car and looks at her and says this is my snoop dizzle look <laughs> that sticks with me all the time tiffany quotes it to me and that's why hillary duff uh, cinderella story is always on my mind <laughs> nice but it's true uh-huh. In all those movies, in all those tales, it's hard to completely fault the the um the parent who's not evil, mm. because that's why I'd, that, that's why I'd be curious to see more of like her circumstance beforehand. Not saying this movie had to show it. If but, it was made now, there'd be a whole other hour uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of yeah. that happening. So yeah, yeah. The, this movie would start their car ride would start at where they used to live. <laughs> if this movie was yeah, made it would go the whole way yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. and she would have said explicitly why she <laughs> went with this man yeah. yeah we would see what led to the baby being made mm-hmm. oh geez yeah <laughs> Blake just got excited they would, about ex- <laughs> we would have said something explicit like i know he's rough around the edges but you'll get used to him yeah. <laughs> that would have been the exact line if that was made nowadays yeah, yeah. I, I feel like they did have a line like that but <laughs> i don't want to admit that because i like the movie too much yeah <laughs> Um, I like Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's Merce- great. Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I like that her and her brother. She's working with her brother. I I I think that's a great contrast between um her with her and her brother and Ophelia and her brother. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're working. They do anything to protect protect their brothers. Each yeah. yeah, yeah. And her brother saved her. Mm-hmm. Um, which is great, great. That's a great scene mm. when the revolutionaries ambush, yeah, ambush uh, the guys on the horses and and saber. The gunshots sound. The gunshots sound so good in that scene. Uh, it reminds me of Heat when they're firing the guns in that part of L.A. The gunshots just sound superb. I don't know if it's like if the sound designer did that or if they just like that's what the guns, the prop guns, sounded like in that location or what. But it just sounded fantastic. I mm. love that. The sound design is just good in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just really it's well done. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, when uh, when Mercedes is uh, Mercedes is talking to the doctor the first time, they're kind of switching the the antibiotics. Um, I was surprised at how smart Ophelia was catching on with that because you don't really see her um, experiencing that a lot. But by the end, where she's she tells Mercedes. That she, I'm going to stop doing that, that she's aware that she's helping them. Um, That was kind of a surprise to me because uh, I didn't think she was so aware. I didn't know she was so um, knowledgeable what was going on around her. And I mean, you because she sees her talking to the doctor and like passing a package between them. But I think of her age, I wouldn't have expected her to think, ah, that's... Going to well, them and well, whenever whenever Ophelia is walking back after after the the toad, and she's covered mm-hmm. in mud, um, Mercedes is out there signaling mm-hmm. with the yeah, lantern, yeah, yeah. 
and and she sees that coming up. Mm. So it's that 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 added with what she's seen previously yeah. it would probably be a big clue. And I think that combines with what Mercedes says to <laughs> the captain how she was invisible to him, mm. but um obviously not to Ophelia, right? So I, I think it has a lot to do with with that like the perception of class and how women are obviously a lower class in this time period and, and in this, in this setting and her just being ignored is what makes her the, the best one to be the spy for them. How it was obvious to a little girl, but not even to the right. Cat. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's a bright kid and it, I don't know if she understands the entire sociopolitical <laughs> yeah, context, yeah. you know, but she just, you help the men in the woods. I know that you're helping the men in the woods, like whether she knows the, the, you know, the repercussions of that right, are exactly right. what it means, but yeah, she's, I think she's bright enough to figure that out pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like that because I, uh, I think it ties a lot to her, the tales that she tells herself where they're so, they're so kind of dark on their own way that I, I like how it says a lot about how children, they may not be involved in like the actual political intensity of it but they're always aware they always mm-hmm. know what's happening they they can tell the tone they can tell what's the feeling between everyone and 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 not seeing her directly involved in the conflict in almost any way um but her completely feeling the danger that she's in i think is really is is really good for her character to, mm-hmm. to show that mm-hmm. nice that the pale man <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what else about the movie? Goddamn the torturing. Oh uh, my god. The yeah. stuttering. Oh my god. Him him forcing him to say <laughs> count to 3 without stuttering is is such a diabolical. It's It's evil. great for him. Yeah. As as evil as the captain is. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, you're right though. It's nice to have someone that's just so fucking evil. Uh-huh. Um that I enjoyed that scene to an extent. It's so well written. This mm-hmm. script is tight. It's so perfect. They've set everything up perfectly, and it's in the direction, obviously, too. But like, they just set everything is set up perfectly at the perfect time, and like that is so well done. I don't know. It's I'm jealous that I'll never be able to write a script this good. And the things that are vague are vague on purpose. Yeah. And then and it it's very apparent that this took years of of writing and planning and, and editing to to get it to where it is to the version that we saw totally yeah yes. the first time i saw the torture scene i didn't notice how fucked up his hand was mm. and then this time it's practically split apart yeah <laughs> which is oh my god oh the gore in this movie is like particularly really tough to watch uh-huh I think what is really interesting is most movies nowadays cut away right before it starts. Del Toro cuts away right after it starts. Mm-hmm. Always. Yeah. yeah. It's always right after. So you can still like see it. Um, That's what makes the bottle death so shocking. Yeah. Because it shows it. <laughs> yeah. There's little things about this movie that are so memorable with that. Like when he gets, uh, when he gets fish hooked or whatever, gets his cheek cut uh and then he like is he sews it back up 
which is just crazy. And then he like takes a drink of whiskey and it just like comes through through. and it's, that's so amazing. And it's like, I don't know. What did that look like in the script? That's what I want to know. Like I want an original copy. I want to know how they did it. Yeah. Like, like what? I think digitally. I think that was not done. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I I think I've seen a video how they do that digitally. I know I was watching a video about how they did the Fawn's legs. Mm. Um, so like his legs are kind of like triangle shaped forward. Right. And then, so the actor's legs are go through the middle mm-hmm. and then those are wrapped in like green. the green fabric and those are edited out. Uh-huh. At, um, f- at first I thought you, I don't know why it didn't make any sense, but I thought you said the Fonz like from happy days. The <laughs> Fonz. And I thought, and I was like, wait a second, where are you going with this? But yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. They it's part of, the, it's part of the same universe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I believe, I believe Ayo, you said that. Aophilia. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but that, that has to be um, digital. Because a, a lot of this movie's effects still are pretty decent. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Considering this movie is almost only... twenty years old. Uh huh. Yeah. The the that whole sequence is the worst part. Yeah. It, and it's I I'll let it pass because I think it's 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 magical and shit. So it still looks better than <laughs> the, anything in the Hobbit. So the cockroaches yeah, they... look just as good as they did in the Mummy. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> um, the Mummy is an amazing film. That is an, a quality film. I think uh, I know that we're not talking about it, but I'm going to talk about it. Because talk about the Mummy. There is. Is that, that your next one? The, like next time you come on? That film is everything you want in a film. It's got scares. It's got adventure. It's got romance. It's got laughs. It's, you know, it's so exciting from start to it's finish. It's got non-fat Brendan Fraser. Char- well, he's charming either way, but more charming than, like, yeah. the entire cast is super hot. Like, it's everything Even the, about the movie. the Magi. <laughs> yeah, especially yeah. the Magi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I forget his name, but yeah. Uh, everything in that they're so it's such a good movie is that the bad guy from agent cody banks yeah it is <laughs> Emotep. Emotep. i've never seen agent cody banks oh you're missing out yeah i guess oh yeah, yeah. we watched it for this i forgot <laughs> i think you talked about it last time too that i was, was on probably around that time yeah. yeah yeah oh what a good movie yeah <laughs> The mm-hmm. mummy, not aged Cody Banks. <laughs> no, 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 he was definitely talking about aged Cody Banks. I know he was, <laughs> but, but you're correcting me. I'm for correcting you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It says a lot about him willing to drink. Oh, back to the movie. Uh, about willing to drink the alcohol with the fucking. Oh, man. And then he just goes back for more. He has a whole chug. I probably would, too. I mean, you just got your face cut in half. Is he's, it to disinfect? He's kill- yeah. yeah. He's disinfecting. Yeah. But then yeah. he does it yeah. again. Oh, you hear the sizzle. First time's probably to disinfect. The second time's to take the edge off a little bit. Had yeah. a hard day at work. He needs a little stiff drink afterwards. Yeah. I like the callback to the bottle that she uses. Because they show it a few times and I keep thinking like, what's the bottle for? The first time that, you mean the medicine bottle? Yeah, yeah The yeah. first time that they show her, he said, only two drops, two mm-hmm. drops only. Yeah. You know, that's another time that everything is set up perfectly. The yeah. blood two drops. Yeah. Or the knife that Mercedes hides in her clothes. Mm-hmm. We see that a bunch of times before it actually mm-hmm. comes into play. What a the, way to hide it, too. There's so much visual about this movie that's memorable that are those little things that are just like, uh, it's fucking phenomenal. Yeah. And it doesn't treat the audience as stupid. Mm-hmm. Right. It just it just shows you. Yep. And then that's it. Moves on. Doesn't linger. Yeah. Just tells a story and it, and it keeps going. Yeah. Pacing is good in this movie. Mm-hmm. I yeah, agree with that. It doesn't feel like two hours. No, it mm-hmm. doesn't. 
Should have been three hours. Let's do it. Sometimes movies can be six hours and I'll watch it all the way through like Fanny and Alexander. That movie doesn't feel that long. Or Lawrence of Arabia never feels the four hours that it is or whatever. But you can watch, I can watch two hour movies that feel like a slog, you know? Mm. It's just poor quality movies, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. This movie's great. Yeah. No problems with this movie. Not a single problem. Nobody said anything negative, have they? Um, I'm gonna say something negative. Are we are we reaching that? I guess we're reaching that point. Yeah. But I will say I think the I think the pacing really works because the two stories that they're telling are kind of running at their own thing, and mm-hmm. um, uh, the way that they just cut back and forth. Like once you're kind of like, okay, I'm getting I'm good with the fantasy stuff, then you get all the the bloody violence stuff. Yeah, and you're like, I think I'm ready for a little bit of a break from this mm-hmm. and i think it works really well going back and forth mm-hmm. um but i'll say um for some reason and this is something i can't really put my finger on i do not connect with this movie emotionally in what? in almost any way what i i don't know i i just don't connect to ophelia did you not sob at the end of the movie i didn't uh, I, every time i watch this movie i cry at the end no i i, I watch it and i i i it's not, I guess it's not a problem with the movie because I can't pinpoint what the problem is. I can pinpoint my problem with it, but I'll let you go. Okay. <laughs> but I know by the end of it, I I appreciate every character. I appreciate all the complexity of every person um, from the captain to Mercedes to, to even Pedro, who we don't see too much, um, to Ophelia. But I just, I'm just kind of like, okay, I get it. Like this is, this was great, but I'm just not feeling it. And I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's no Hillary Duff Cinderella. There's no, that's, Hillary yeah, Duff. Yeah. There's no Snoop Dizzle look in this movie. Yeah, and and that's I can't I can't knock this movie because of it because it's just missing something and I don't know what it is. Does that upset you? Yeah, very much. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's insane. It's, I I don't know. I can't I can't explain why. Uh, huh. All right. I think less of you now. Uh-huh. <laughs> Agent Cody Banks got me more emotional than this movie. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> Jose, what what would you say? Okay, mine is not a valid criticism of the movie at all. It is strictly the fact that I'm genuinely annoyed by Spanish accents <laughs> that knocks this movie a whole fucking point for me. <laughs> like it's it, like it's a genuine distaste and frustration I have. You're with just the, racist. With the <laughs> you you can say that <laughs> with the fucking that really just frustrates me. Um, about half an hour I get into the movie, I got used to it and I got past my mm. anger, but it just really, it's an irrational frustration that I have that this movie just ignited in me, but <laughs> that's really my, my main criticism. <laughs> yeah. That, that's not mine. <laughs> no, I wouldn't really even notice, you know, so. But now you will, and now you won't like the movie. Oh, I get the Mercedes thing all the time. Like, <laughs> every time he says her name, but it doesn't bother me, but I also don't speak Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. I can order a table for two, uh, I think. Una mesa por una mesa dos. Para, una me, una mesa I, I para dos. something for, for me that, that's difficult with movies, not a problem with this movie, with foreign language films, specifically ones in Spanish, that I tend to have a frustration with. It's the translation from the Spanish mm. to the, uh, to the Which, subtitles. Mm-hmm. Were you like reading the subtitles the whole time? Oh uh, yeah. Be- um, because I know that del Toro wrote the subtitles for the movie. Mm. 
Um, I know it was important to him that the trend that it wasn't lost in translation, um, which is also a good movie. But <laughs> um, segue. <laughs> but this movie, the the translation is pretty good. I will get. I will give a positive for that. Um, there are points where there there are times where Spanish has. The way it is as a language simplifies the same expression of words. And in English, it's a way longer fucking sentence that I think loses its meaning because of, of it's like newfound, like length. Where like before it's like a snap. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. It, it, like you kind of lose syntax mm. in, in prose in translation mm-hmm. sometimes. Cause I noticed it a lot during, um, when Carmen and Ophelia are talking after she's she's disappointed her. Um, I remember thinking that's the best way that translates, but it's still not exactly what it was said. Mm. And I noticed that a couple times in the movie where where I think it loses something, it does lose something in its translation because it, it's just it's not the same language. Mm-hmm. I am very, I like uh, watching foreign language films because the dialogue can be absolute shit and I don't know the difference and I'm very forgiving of it in those moments. You know, your experience is very different, obviously, because you know what's being said. But when dialogue is bad in a foreign language film, you don't notice. But if I'm watching an English language film and the dialogue sucks, I'm very, you know, in tune to what is wrong about the way that they're speaking, you know? And that's the one nice thing is like, it can be written so poorly, the dialogue in like a, in a language that I don't understand. And I just, the subtitles come up. I'm like, I get the information and that's all that I care about. So for that part of the movie, I, I, I really like that, but. Mm. And, but yeah, I will on a positive note, I will say this is one of the best, the best translated movies I've seen. And mm. in, in terms of the subtitles. Um, and, and like, it's just another one of those things that I can just tell that every aspect of this movie, Del Toro is passionate about down to the subtitles that are going to be released on, um, you know, uh, the subtitles you prop that most directors probably don't care about. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's just another aspect of this movie that you can just see how, how much it's cared for. Yeah. Brandon, do you have anything you hate about the movie? I'm kind of with with Blake in the fact that I I I don't get emotional when I watch this movie. I never have. Do you get emotional when you watch any movie? Oh yeah. Like what? Coco. Agent Cody Banks. <laughs> <laughs> Coco. Coco. During I've never our, seen it. During our Coco podcast, what about, I actually cried. What about adult po- movies? What about adult movies? <laughs> Um, <laughs> not baby shit. That's <laughs> a little drinking your milk out there. <laughs> I go, oh, fuck, this looks good, man. Just watching Pixar movies. I don't, you mean like Pornhub? Or uh, yeah, I guess that's the way it sounded. No, uh, I always get emotional when I watch porn. Uh, it might be, I might you're need losing, to you're still still therapy. It's the release of a dopamine that really just. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I cry after every orgasm. I don't know what it is. Uh, even even when you're alone, especially, <laughs> especially, especially. especially. Yeah. It, he doubles down on yeah, it. Right. <laughs> at that point. Uh, anyways, no. Uh, so besides, Disney Pixar movies always make a person cry. They're 
they're they're Built designed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're designed. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, some more than others. Mm-hmm. Some more than others. Yeah. Um, is there an adult movie that's made me cry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's plenty. Um, <laughs> we just have to listen to every episode. Yeah, yeah we have to, <laughs> let me go through. Let me go through all the episodes. I can't. Okay. I can't remember. I can't remember. I I know whenever I get emotionally invested in a character, um, that Ma- that I am, and and that that's not to say that that um, with this film, I feel like I'm more emotionally invested in Mercedes and and her brother than I am with Ophelia. Um, and I don't know, I don't know why I just connect with them a little more. Um, you hate children. No, no, that, that's not it at all. That's not it at all. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not necessarily sad at the end for Ophelia because she attains her goal. It's, not sadness it's for not, Ophelia. It's, it's sadness for Mercedes and and everybody else who survives that. I feel like, and I mean, it is sad for Ophelia, but well, she, there, I, I, I think it's a happy ending. Yeah, I mean, I actually think it's a really happy ending. They won. Yeah, they won. See, it's, but it's, my it's, thing is, they, I know it's not a happy ending yeah. <laughs> because the movie ends and there's thirty more years of regime of regime. <laughs> right, right, right. And so yeah. I, but I, they I didn't think, win, and now everything's good in Spain. But at the right. end right. of this movie, but at the end of this movie, they have they have won won the mill mm-hmm. they have won the battle of the mill mm-hmm. um and they have stopped a um a cruel man from making a cruel child which is exactly what would have happened if he would have continued living. yeah there's a lot of positive mm-hmm. stuff so there's a, there's the a end, lot of yes. positive things at, at the end of this so maybe maybe that's why it doesn't hit with me at the end that's maybe that's why I don't I don't feel sorrow for anybody at the end. Because, I don't know that you need to feel because it's a good because it's a good ending to me. I think it's beautiful and and mixed with sadness and and everything. And that's why I guess I'm kind of emotional when I watch movies. Uh, and I, I I would say I probably cry pretty easy at movies. But uh, I like I cry at this movie every time. I don't know. It's a little child dies. <laughs> I don't know how that isn't sad to anybody, especially when you've been spent the last two hours like rooting for her. So maybe you just uh, Be, aren't because human. because that's her goal. <laughs> I, I guess because I see it as as it. That's, that's what she was always going towards. I agree. Yeah, that's what that's where she was it's still going. Sad, and she has to die in this life in order to uh, to attain the next one. Uh-huh. Well, I and mean, that's that's clear in the story. Mm-hmm. So so it's not a surprise. I, I think what's sad. Somebody has I, to, I, I think it would be a surprise if she didn't get. I think it would be very sad. And and it would be a surprise if she didn't attain that. Uh-huh. I think we're arguing about the wrong part of the ending that's sad. <laughs> I think what's sad about the ending is that Mercedes doesn't know that Ophelia gets to right. has achieved her goal. Yeah. I and think that, that's, that's the sad part. Because she doesn't believe in that stuff anymore. And, and I, so to her, and, a little girl I that she loved just more died. With her and and her brother and you than don't I cry do for her? with I, I I feel uh, I feel really sad for her. That's what I was saying. I feel really sad for uh, Mercedes because this girl that she loved died, and she's the one who has to survive knowing that this little girl died. I think it's a very sad thing. Well, from, it, it, from, it, it, it's a sad thing, but it doesn't it doesn't move me emotionally. Yeah, from from my perspective, I think, like I said, it's not a fault of the movie. I think it's sad, but it just doesn't. This movie doesn't pull me for some reason. Mm. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I I think I don't think Ophelia was. 
was such a strong pull for me throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm hesitant to say more because it's just more like I, I just did. It didn't get me. I don't know. <laughs> and I know that upsets you it's so much. But I hate I, you guys both of you right now. It just does it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't um, get it. I don't understand how you could not feel for this, but that's fine. Not everybody has to be right. I, I think I think there's there's one thing in common with the people that don't didn't get emotional um that is not in common with you oh a child yeah you have a child Mm -hmm. we don't right we don't have biological children Mm -hmm. so so that may may be the barrier where we just can't it may be but i'm pretty sure i cried when i first saw this and i didn't have a child when i first saw the movie either jose did you cry no but i i don't really He's very stoic and manly. He doesn't um, shed tears. Like he's that. a manly man. I was going to say, because if you did, you have a child. I, I'm more of a, I don't like cry during movies. I get water, like like watery eyed. Yeah. I can't yeah, pass, right. I can't I'm not crying. full on <laughs> um, wetting my. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the last movie where I genuinely like felt like that. Yeah. It was probably Jojo Rabbit. If I'm not, mm. if I'm being honest, mm. it was probably the last movie where I genuinely felt like an emotional like pull like that from a movie. Um, it doesn't happen to me often. Yeah. I usually see the movie. I was like, okay, good movie. And then like, that's where you want to hear something adult. Well, kind of adult that I cry at. Yeah. I like, do. like almost every single time. Mm-hmm. Any episode of Grey's Anatomy. I will cry during Grey's Anatomy. So it makes me so angry. And I know, I know exactly you, why I cry. Your rage. <laughs> I know, I know exactly why I cry. Why do you cry? Because I was talked out of going to medical school, and so I'm envious and and I yearn for what could have been. And so anytime it's not just Grey's Anatomy, by the way, it's any medical show, even Scrubs, ER, Bones, ER. Um, I've never watched Bones, and I think I watched the first two seasons of Scrubs when it was on TV. Bones is fun, um, <laughs> but 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 the medical part of it yeah. and yearning to be there, wanting to be well, there. Well, but you got to look at that, it this way: then you wouldn't what, be here doing this podcast that you got in medical and school, and that would be so. fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> I cried. I mean, the last movie that we did that I cried at a lot to for some reason was Brooklyn. I don't know why yeah. I cried so much I in that movie. I don't know why you did either. There were no children dead in that movie, and I was tears all over the place. You maybe, just don't care maybe about Maybe you have like an Irish girl somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you had Irish daughter somewhere? <laughs> um, that movie, I, I think with those movies, I probably cried like the first few times I watched it. Yeah. Um, I cry every time when there's, when the uh, she's at the the soup kitchen. For me, it's when she... Finds out about her sister. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, 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 what I'm trying to say is this movie was, uh, nothing. (laughs) (laughs) No, I really don't want to knock the movie for it. Yeah. yeah, It's Um, not, it's not anything against the movie for me. Do you you think there's a disconnect? It just made me have no emotional connection. (laughs) Do you think there's a disconnect because of the language? That's That's nothing against the movie. I don't think so. That's not necessarily true. It just didn't make me cry. Yeah, okay, fine. I mean, that's I still fine. had emotional connection with the characters. That's an acceptable answer. The characters answer. are very well developed. And if I were to cry at anyone's death, it would be the captain anyways. Yeah. He was, <laughs> you thought he was hot. No, because I just love Because he doesn't get evil. his goal. I love You're evil. saying you didn't cry. 
when Ophelia died because she gets his coal, but the captain doesn't get his goal, and that makes you cry. That makes me very sad. <laughs> it is a little I just, sad. I, I really like, I just really like evil characters. Uh-huh. I, I always have, I always will. Um, I, I'm just joking about crying during his. Um, but Jose, you asked if you think part of the emotional disconnect was because it's not in English. Yeah. Um, I can't pinpoint if that's a yes or no, but I, I don't think so. No, I don't think that either. would be. Um, no. I mean, I know you Brooklyn's both hate Irish. subtitles. I don't hate subtitles. I have never said that. <laughs> I have. Brandon has. I have. I have never said such thing. You don't like them. I've never said that. You always say you're distracted by them. I'm distracted by English subtitles in English speaking movies. All right, yeah. fair. I'm not. I I I don't mind subtitles in foreign films. Yeah, Blake's got like Let's that, like that I'm straight. not like the I'm not racist. No, you're pulling shit out of your ass. You're pulling out of your ass. I think I'm half think, Mexican. I think you mixed us. I think you mixed us up because I'm the one. No, I, 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 I know, hate, no, I know. I hate you reading don't. films. Yeah. I hate subtitles because I miss so much. Yeah, I hate subtitles, and you have a problem with missing things from from foreign, uh, like reading when you can't. Just watch and listen. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm not watching the movie when I'm reading a subtitle. Yeah. So I have to, I, I have, have to, to watch it. They have programs there, out there you can uh, speed absolutely. read. For there's me, it's just no the, way for me the fact that faster. it's in Spanish. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> what? You, you don't like people who speak Spanish. That's Is what, that what you're saying? You say, well, you can't say it. You can't say you don't like Spanish people, but I can't. <laughs> technically, I have Spanish blood, so that's, that's I'm good. I'm covered. Well, te- technically, so does he. We don't know about his side. <laughs> oh, whatever. I'm sweating now. <laughs> if, he's, if he's part Mexican, he has Spanish blood in him. Not necessarily. I mean, with Blake's skin tone, yeah, most no. likely. Yeah, probably. Well, with his skin tone, sure, but yeah. not necessarily purely by being Mexican, because you could just be purely well, Indian. Well, you could be Aztec. He's, yeah. he, Blake is not Aztec. Sorry. Says who? Let's you get back to the movie. Your DNA your, test. Your face. <laughs> Let's get back to the movie. Your, your face and Everything your face. about your appearance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, let's get back to the movie. Yeah. We got all mad at each other. Let's bring it back home. So, so okay. Here's my problems. Yeah, I think the scene with the toad um, should have been a little harder. Her first, her first task was way too easy. I mean, she figures it out. Oh, I can just get a bug in my hand. I mean, it's over really quick. That's okay. Um, it, There's it's, consequences. It's okay. Still. It's okay. Well, it's I mean, not like the scene happens and then everything is good after that. There's consequences to what she does because she's going after that. So it's not like not everything has to be that hard, but it has to like take have a toll or have a consequence. And that has a big consequence. So 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 the fawn he he has kind of loosey goosey rules, right? He sounds like he's trying to trick her several times. Mm-hmm. In 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 doing things, and he has the blow up with her whenever, whenever the two fairies get eaten by, by the pale man and stuff, um, and tells her you can't, it's over, right? And then he comes back later, ah, no, it's over. I'm giving you another chance, right? Um, I think he could have worked that in earlier, um, where where the rules are are a little loosey goosey, and she breaks the rules maybe the first one. 
but gets gets the key that she needs. And so she goes to the second one. I think that could have been worked in sooner. For me, it's fine because um, it's it's written by her. So I, I think yeah, it's, well, it's okay to me. You always have the weirdest things that you don't like about movies. Like, what? That yeah. doesn't even make sense. Who cares? It does, it does, Who cares? It was, it's part of the movie. It's it, part of the movie. I mean, don't don't hate on me because I have an opinion of a fucking movie. <laughs> I'm I, going I'm to. Just, I'm just... I'm just like like the loosey goosey of his rules just comes out of nowhere. Yeah, I think I like, think for, like very abrupt. When I think about it, it's more like it's it's a climax that I think Ophelia knows from her books, and it, and and it's just more like it doesn't have to make sense throughout. It's more like this would be huge if he leaves her at the last moment when she needs him, and then he comes back right at the moment that she needs him. I think it works like as a fairy tale's arc that I think it's okay that it doesn't like make sense throughout the entirety of it. And also, um, and also, if you just look at him as an actual character like any other character would be, he, in a moment of anger, he's upset and he says, um, you're never getting to do this. And he leaves, right? But he was upset. So maybe after he goes away, he has some time to think about it. He's like, well, you know, maybe we'll give this princess another chance. I think that what you're saying makes more sense, you know, in the logic of the story. But either way, I think that either, you know, it's like he comes back when she needs him because that's like like you in your theory that it's all in her head or whatever or he just was upset when he said you can never be a part of it again and then and then he cools down and he comes back later because he sees that she needs him but i think there should be a little bit more resolution there between them two um at that argument because she obviously in in that that scene specifically when he gets mad she has no idea what she has done She's saying it was an accident. It was an accident. And he's yelling at her. It's a mistake. It's a mistake. It's she knows mistake. what she did. But she gets told twice. Yeah. She gets told twice. But you <laughs> but, mentioned earlier. Let me reach to make my point she, more. He's using a syntax that she might not know about eating. But, no, but okay. See what he's clearly saying. Don't eat or drink anything. And then the book also says, "Don't eat or drink anything." Like I don't like if and, he were saying but it. She in was some hungry, like, so if she could have said, "Well, I, I was hungry, and there's all this food." She did say and that. She, he wouldn't. He wouldn't give in a little bit to that and not be so angry. Two of his fairies were murdered. It bothers. It bothers me. <laughs> he was upset. They're still alive at the end, by the way. Two of his condom fairies. Well, yeah. because they are, they are exist from the underworld. They can come back to life because they are. Have eternal life. They are. Oh, they're immortal. so fucking dramatic. They're magical then? creatures. Yeah, yeah, you see them at the at the end. And the giant. I just assume like, they were like other fairies. I assume it's the same ones. Like, there's more bugs in the world. <laughs> it could be. Yeah, it's not explained. Because I, I bet that fairy was like, dude, you should have seen it. They got their heads <laughs> fucking <Yeah>. ripped off. <laughs> and he was like, oh, you bitch. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, it just seems. I don't know. And and the trick at the end where he's trying to get her to kill her brother. Or he want he wants to he's like, oh no, it's just gonna be a little prick on you know, a little bit of blood. Um, and then she's forced to protect her brother. I think that's great, but his rules and the tricking and and all of that, I think it should have happened earlier. So we know he's tricky through the entire thing. I think it's, it's alluded to. It's alluded to because Mercedes tells her, "Don't trust a fawn; they're tricky." Mm-hmm. 
I think you but, just answered your own but, criticism. But she's all. But she's already been talking to the fawn, and she's all. She doesn't get really tricked by him until the end. But these figures, like a fawn, um, these I don't I, satyrs. I think that's how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are known in mythology as being tricksy. You know, mm-hmm. they. But my, my point is, he should have been tricky throughout. You could tell from he what wasn't he's... tricky with the frog at all. He told her what she needed to do, gave her the book. Mm-hmm. This is what you need to do. But even this from when he first time. starts speaking, time. he's he's like a little bit. I don't know. I don't have any problem with that at all. I yeah. think you're crazy. Yeah, I, I don't either because I I think it's it leaves it because since you don't know at all from the beginning, it leaves it all the all up to in- interpretation. Where even when he gives her the stuff for um with the mandrake. Uh, is a mandrake, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I was thinking, like, oh, is that going to kill her or something, or is that is or is that killing the baby in her or something to make her healthy by sapping the energy for the baby? So I was thinking, like, maybe he's tricking her in that way, where it's like, oh, your mom's going to be fine, but your brother maybe not. Um, but then it just kind of all works out in its own way, um, which uh, I think works because I was even even just from Mercedes saying not to trust a uh, a fauna, um, I was questioning it throughout two and then then the ending it's like oh here it goes it's going to be revealed that the whole time he just wanted to eat a baby <laughs> and then, <laughs> and, then uh, and then it's not and it, and it works out great um in an ending that i didn't cry too um <laughs> no but yeah I, I i think i think he works i think he works pretty good throughout um yeah do we have any last thoughts before quotes no, I'm not going to say anything else. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I no, I I don't know. I think we've said so much. It's it's hard to say more about how great the film is. Mm-hmm. And all I don't know if I can take any more criticism of it, so. I'm sorry. I I didn't I didn't I didn't want I really didn't want this whole last half like bit to just be nonstop criticism. No, it's more it's more interesting to when there's conflict, right? So that's fine. Yeah. I want to end with one more incredible thing about this movie is the uh the scene between the captain and Mercedes in the almost torture turned torture towards him scene. Um, she's so powerful in that. And it's so satisfying and it gets, you get the payoff from the knife and you get the payoff from his pride. Cause he even says like, Oh, you got here because, because of my pride, leave her. I can handle her. <laughs> and then he immediately gets, gets got again because of his pride. Um, and it's so brutal. The fucking mouth. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I, I just want to gush about that scene because it uh, is really good. Yeah. When that happens, you know, it's mm-hmm. it makes me giddy. You know, it's like, oh yeah, that's fucking good. You yeah. know, I know he has to leave, but she was stupid for. All right, I know he has to live, but I'm and and leave and go after. She was her. stupid for not finishing. She was off. stupid yeah. for not yeah. slitting his throat. For sure, that's yeah, definitely a, needed for the yeah. story. That yeah, right. yeah, that's one of those things that are actually you know you're like. In real life, if in it real happened, life, she would have finished you him off. Yeah. You would have poked both of his eyes out with a fucking yeah. knife. Yeah. That would have been satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's move on to But quotes. then he would be really like the Pell Man, if you think about it. Oh, with the eyes? If she would yeah. have stabbed his eyes out. I agree. And, and the labyrinth scene would have been 
cool that he fa- if he was looking found- around with his, his hands yeah. like this yeah that would have been nice actually. because he would have had to feel his way around that yeah. might have been too on the nose but it would have been yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he shoots her somehow without having eyes right. yeah that would have been great he sucks the eyes out of the baby <laughs> i do think it's it's uh it's so cold how he just shoots her once and then just like takes the baby and goes like he's just Shoots her once well, in the stomach. Well, because and- they're in the labyrinth, I don't think he'll, he thinks anyone will find her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's just like, he doesn't even kill her. He just like, like he doesn't like kill her immediately. He just lets her bleed he lets out. Her, which is lets just her suffer. Yeah. He double taps every other person in the fucking movie You're except right. for Ophelia. Yeah. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Because I know it's like, because every time you kill somebody, I'm like, why the fuck are you wasting so many bullets? Yeah. But he doesn't with her. Because I have them. <laughs> Well, okay, let's move on to quotes. <laughs> that took me a second. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's start with you, Kyle. Mm. What is your favorite quote of this movie? You know, I don't know. It's so visual, this movie. I don't know what my favorite quote is. You I want th- us to come back to you? Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> Jose. Um, I had it pulled up. Okay. Um, my uh, favorite quote is when... Um, the captain has called down the doctor to take a look at the, uh, guy with the stutter that they captured and the doctor, you know, put him out of his misery and the captain says, you should have obeyed me. And the doctor says, but captain to obey just like that for obedience sake, without questioning, that's something only people like you do. And I think that's the whole theme of the movie obedience and, why I don't have an issue with uh, Ophelia eating the grapes during the the scene, the second task. I think the whole movie is about obedience and when is it? Wh- when do you listen and when do you play along and when do you have to go against the rules and and make your own path and and do what's best for you? Do the right thing. Yeah, and so yeah. I think the doctor for me that that. What I took from this movie, the doctor sum- summarizes it in that line. So mm-hmm. that's good. Um, one of my favorite quotes is when Ophelia is talking to the unborn brother um, when she's in the bed with her mom while she's sick, and he's she's telling him about her mom and says, "You'll meet her. She's very pretty. Even though some days she's sad for many days at a time, you'll see. When she smiles, you'll love her." And I think that's a that's very sweet. And that's special, yeah. With her, it almost makes you feel something for the character. <laughs> <laughs> and then I spit, and I was like, "This movie this sucks. sucks." Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, I think that is an emotional line. I yeah. didn't cry, right? Um, but yeah, I really like that quote, and I and I think it's it it does make the ending more sad because she imagined this future with him and um, mm. isn't able to. He's not able to see his mom and she's not able to see her brother, which, mm-hmm. yeah. Brandon? But I didn't cry. <laughs> so my quote is between Ophelia and the fawn after she gets back from the pale man. And um, it's a conversation between the two of them. And Ophelia says, I had an accident. Accident? Yes. And then the fairy whispers what happened in the fawn's ear. And he says, you broke the rules. And she says, it was only two grapes. I thought no one would notice. 
You made a mistake. Mistake? You failed. You can never return. And I think, I think, I like, I like this part because it's the first time the fawn is, is at odds with her. But I think this quote kind of backs me up because she didn't fail. She got the key. She got out. She got away. She never failed at her task. She may have eaten two things, but the only reason why you can't eat is because you activate the pill man, not because it completely negates everything. So this is why I stand by my, but I stand by my, argument. his instruction to her, she failed in one of his instructions, which was to not eat anything. And so she did fail. But the that reason part. why you don't eat anything is why doesn't matter. The instruction was because, still disregarded. So because, she still failed that. Well, if I tell you to go rob a bank and you don't do it exactly the way I said, but you still get away with the money, uh-huh. you still completed the task I gave you. But what if uh, two I'm of, not going to say, if you're two, you failed, go back to the bank and take that money back. You failed my task. What if your two best friends or the person who I ordered you to best do it, friends. two best friends died as a result of some shit you did in the bank robbery? But wait a minute. Then it's a bit of a failure, isn't it? When they're two part people of the die? immortal world, they didn't die. Let's move on from this. What's your favorite quote? <laughs> so... Let me just, uh, so I guess I don't know that it's my favorite. There's so many good quotes, but I'm going to say that thing that I already, uh, where did I write it down? But, um, the rose, when she's talking about the rose that blooms every night on the, on the, the black mountain of rock. And I think that that little fairy tale that she tells her brother, and I love, you know, how they like go down into the womb and you see the baby in the womb and everything. I think that that really sums up, um, the theme of the movie or one of the themes of the movie, I guess, one of the other themes of the movie about like time and uh, eternal life and all this other stuff. And it really is her whole arc summed up in that thing because um, she's she's always going towards death. We know that. We see that she's go- she has to die in the end because that's her journey. And she's talking about that essentially like, yes, the rose, the thorns have poison in it, but you can get eternal life if you get that rose. And I think... Um, I think that whole thing is is really beautifully spoke, and I think that I don't know. I, that's my. I'm going to say that's my favorite quote. Yeah. All right, great. Um, Jose, you got your meme review ready? Yeah, I'm going to give this movie two out of two cow teats. <laughs> I give this movie two out of two vials of antibiotics. Antibiotics. <laughs> What's yours, Brandon? Um. Mine is two grapes and two fairies for one dagger out of four. Ten out of ten bottle smashes to the face. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Let's do our real reviews then. Jose, we'll start with you. Uh, I'm going to give this movie a nine out of ten. Um, ju- just because of the along the same vein. I'm, I've let Kyle give you guys shit. I have no emotional connection to this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Kyle, but he came in a nine out of ten. Um, yeah, yeah. Not, I'd say point five for no emotional connection. Point five because I'm racist against Spanish people, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think the movie's great. Um, I think it's one of the best. Uh, the script is really tight. Pacing is something that I always bring up, and and I always have issues with. But I have no issues with the pacing in this movie. 
the the characters are well developed and it it's a well thought out self-contained movie that is just shows the passion that went into it and i and i love films that are able to convey the process in a different form to the audience and and i think in this in this sense you can see that the time and the effort and the love into the craft that goes into this movie and that comes across on the screen. And I think that that is one of a kind. I'm pretty sure I gave agent Cody Banks a 10 out of 10. <laughs> so what I'm about to say is going to make you yeah. mad. Oh, I can tell. Yeah. I also give this movie a nine out of 10. Um, probably also because half percent because I don't like Spanish people and half percent because I didn't have an emotional connection. <laughs> um yeah I, I i i really didn't want to stick on that too long because it, it, it oddly enough it doesn't detract from the movie uh, a, a ton because i think this is a rare movie that i actually like to look at the symbolism and and i think it's really interesting because it's tied to all the characters and um each rewatch is so interesting not only because i get to look at more of symbolism but because i understand each character more and more and more um, just like in our discussion, I didn't, I really had no clue what the the time really meant for the captain, but hearing all the wonderful things you're saying really does make this movie like so much deeper. And I think, um, like watching it, you can see how much that Del Toro cared about this movie and, um, it, it looks great. It's spooky when it needs to be. And it's so violent and nasty when it needs to be and i and i think it switches around and it's also very heartfelt like within the same like couple minutes and i think that's really tough to do and also feel meaningful um and yeah nine out of ten uh brandon <laughs> i give them some, this movie a three out of ten because i hate <laughs> kyle no, no. i also give it a nine out of ten mm. um my problems with the movie are apparent i'm not going to go into them again um but i do really I really like the movie. Um, I just want, I just wanted more. I, from, from, from like the second or third time I watched it, I always want more. Um, and I don't know how they would actually do it. Um, but I like it when the fawn and Ophelia are together. Um, I like their interactions. I like him talking to her. I like that. And I wanted, I wanted to see him, him, um, kind of play with her a little more because that's, that's what, you know, pans do. Mm -hmm. They, they fuck with you. Mm -hmm. That's what the Fonz um, does. And yeah, the Fonz. Um, but, but it, it didn't seem like it started off like that for me. And it still doesn't seem like it starts off like that for me. Um, it should be something that is hard for her to get into, but once she gets into, she can't get out of kind mm. of thing. Um, uh, for me that, that would, that would, that would make it better for me. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I love this movie. I, I've seen it like at least like 10, 15 times. So, so just for reference, Agent Cody Banks is ten out of ten for you. What's your last yeah, but, ten out of ten? Yeah, but but that's that's not real. <laughs> that's not a real. What's a real ten out of ten for you, Blake? That we've done. Um, oh shit. Um, 
Oh man, I can't think of any movies. We, we had watched. a ten out of ten. All three of us had a ten out of School ten. School of Rock. School of Rock. Did yeah. I give was School of Rock a ten out of ten? Uh, 10 oh, I, can't I don't think it I don't think I would have given 10. that a ten out of ten. <laughs> I nothing against School of Rock. I, I think a, it's a great movie. Off the top of my head, I would have given that eight. Labyrinth. <laughs> you definitely gave it higher than an eight. I didn't. Well, no. I'll have to listen. Oh yeah, maybe not. Uh, what what was the ten out of ten for all of us? Oh my uh, god! I can't remember. Recently, I've given Interstellar a ten out of ten. Oh, Parasite was a ten. Parasite out of 10. was a ten. Parasite. Out of 10. We we all gave Parasite ten out of ten. And then I think that was I, the last. And then 10 out of 10. Brooklyn was my other recent ten out of ten. I don't think I gave Brooklyn a ten out of ten. No. I haven't seen Brooklyn, but uh, it, the, okay, good movies. Yeah. I you, don't think they're better than Pan's Labyrinth, but I guess that's subjective. It's so close, it's one point. Fine. Agent Cody Banks. <laughs> um, there's there, there's I'll a lot argue to be that said. for me, a five is average. Uh huh. So a seven is like good. Nine is like pretty fucking good. For right. Agent Cody Banks also has Hillary Duff in it. <laughs> yeah. you're a big hillary duff fan yeah okay lizzie mcguire <laughs> kind of big fan there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of the the that's her right lizzie yeah, yeah. Okay. symbolism and stuff in parasite that that can correlate to pan's labyrinth i think um they're very similar in in their in in what they're trying to say what they're saying hmm. well give us your review Obviously, a 10 out of 10. Uh, I think that the movie does everything that I want to see in a movie. It's got magic, but it's not like it's never stated outright whether it's real or not. It's left vague, which I love about movies. It's my favorite thing when a movie is, um, you know, when it has that element of like, you know, fantasy or, you know, supernatural sort of things, but it's left intentionally vague. So you don't really know whether it happened or not, just like in real life with everybody, because you can be the most devout religious person in the world, but you don't really know, you know, you know, you're still kind of just like in the dark about it. So I think that's great. I like when movies do that. And I love fairy tales. I like old fairy tales that are really, they're always really dark. And this one is obviously very dark. And so I think that it's really true to the, you know, they were terrifying and I think that this is terrifying in a lot of parts, the Pale Man especially. I think um, the story has a heart, a lot of heart to me. I really uh, connected emotionally with with the girl um, as, you know, somebody who just like, she she's in a situation that she has no, she can't help but being in, you know, she's just there. It's not great, but she's like a really good, you know, relentlessly good person, which is, you know, something that we all should probably strive to be. I don't know. I think this, and it's just so well written and so well directed. It is so well shot, so well acted. Everything about it is so good. And I just really like it. 10 out of 10. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll end it there. Thank you for bringing this movie we to us so we, we can have a great time we, with it. Do we have to pull from the jar? Yeah, yeah, we'll pull from the jar. I was yeah. just saying the end of our discussion. Oh. But uh, yeah, thanks for having the movie for us. Thanks for having yeah. me on again and for the amazing dinner. <laughs> yeah, that was a great dinner. Uh, I'll, I'll hand you the jar. Don't trip over wires. All right. You can't pick a Brandon movie. Let's, Let's see. see what movie is going to be better than Pan's Labyrinth. Probably anything in that jar. Hillary Duff Cinderella. 
Fuck, just no. Is that in there? Because that's no, not it's what I'm not, doing. It's not in there. Uh, uh, Star Trek, the motion picture, 1979. <laughs> He's one of yours. Fuck, saw you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to be horny nerds next week. Uh, no, not, not, well, yeah, this, this Star Trek's a little cerebral and This is strange. after the is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is, there is a, a, a blonde, uh, blonde woman that gets possessed by, uh, uh, a robot. Yeah. Hell yeah. Not a robot. Uh, she what? gets, she gets made in, <laughs> robot. she gets, she gets made into, she actually gets, Anyway, you, you'll see. She it, gets turned yeah, into a robot. She gets turned into a robot. Yeah. That makes more sense because robots don't normally robot. possess people. Well, she gets she gets turned into a robot by something that's purely mechanical. By a robot. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Sounds good. Next week, Star Trek. But she's sexy. She's sexy and bald. It, as a robot, it was a big. It, it was a big thing back then. All right. Yeah. I'm down with it. I'm ready. Yeah. She actually shaved her head for that. Who uh, she was who's a model. the actress? She was, I, I forget. She was a she was a model, and she actually shaved her head for the part. I think that's committing Dedication. too much. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Next week, Star Trek. We're gonna have a good time uh, being horny nerds. And thank you so much for Pan's Labyrinth. Um, can we end with you humming the lullaby? Uh, okay. no. We can't because I'm on the spot. I don't even do, remember how it goes. Do you, you don't even remember the words? There's no words to the lullaby. Yeah, no, because Mercedes doesn't even remember the yeah, words to it. There you go. <laughs> I'm already I'm about to yeah. cry right now. <laughs> Music is fantastic in this your, movie. Your humming makes people cry. <laughs> <laughs> it's so horrible. <laughs> 